This episode is brought to you by Ionic. For more, visit ionicframework.com slash view. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Enjoy the View. I'm Ari, and today on our panel, we have Alex. Hello. And Tessa. Hello. And today we are going to talk about a topic I've talked about before on the show, but we have not yet discussed with our newest panelists. So today we're talking about our dev environments and what tools we use to be productive as developers. So first question, what editor are you using, Tessa? I guess when I started working, well, not professionally as a web developer, but when I was looking to transition into web development, because, you know, I've used other editors before that, I started with Sublime Text. And one of my classmates really liked VS Code because they were like, it does all the Git stuff for you. And I was like, listen, I dedicated a week to memorizing the terminal commands. So I just, (laughs) and so I got Wes Boss's like Sublime Text Power User course, and I was like, now I know how to use Sublime Text. But I started working on this open source Angular education project. And I mean, it's a long, weird story with like weird hashtags, like hashtag eight spots. What does that mean? I don't know. The person who came up with it doesn't know. But I go to the meetup for the first time, and he's like, why are you using Sublime Text? You should use VS Code for... Angular, because it gives you a lot of convenient tooling. And I was like, okay. So the next time I came in, I brought in VS Code. And VS Code has this extension where you can keybinds to Sublime Text shortcuts. So I was like, great. All of the stuff that I learned last week wasn't a waste. So I come in the VS Code. And then he's like, why are you using VS Code? You should be using WebStorm. That gives you a lot of great tooling for Angular. So for the next week, I switched to WebStorm and I could not figure out how to do anything like opening the terminal, even after Googling it, like I could never remember there was keybinds for VS Code, but not for Sublime Text. (laughs) And also just like you can't change the theme. Like I know one of my teachers really likes it because you can like zoom in and stuff. So I went back to VS Code and I haven't changed since because there was a lot of built in support for Vue and I got really into Vue and that's what I'm still using today. Okay, Alex, tell us your editor story. So we're going to go way back. Okay, maybe let's limit this to like five years. <laughs> so or we'll be here. We're going to go way back. I'll go way back and then we'll jump forward a little bit. So I started doing web development in high school, early 2000s. And so. <laughs> oh, 75 years ago? What? Yeah. And so originally, way back in the day, I discovered a wonderful program that I was years later i was stunned still was popular mildly is notepad plus plus that's where i started i mean technically i started in notepad and then realized that sucks and notepad plus plus but when i was getting back into programming this time around because i did 15 years of theater i started doing python first before i did javascript before i did anything else and jetbrains has the pycharm community edition editor which is excellent for Python because it is purpose-built for that language. So I really got into using PyCharm. And probably about six months to a year after I started using PyCharm, Microsoft came out with VS Code. I've picked it up as an editor, but I've never really used it as an IDE. Oh, let's stop there. 
What is the difference between an editor and an IDE? Why, Ari, I am glad you asked. (laughs) I can't believe you fell for his trap. No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So an editor is very bare bones. You can type text. There may be a little bit of like helpful autocompletion, like Notepad++, it's an editor. It has way more features than Notepad, but it is an editor, right? It has some extra bells and whistles, but at the end of the day, it's just an editor. VS Code, vanilla VS Code, starts off as an editor, right? It is just an editor. It has some extra stuff. What makes VS Code so powerful is its plugins. You can turn VS Code into an IDE, which is an integrated development environment. And that allows you to have like your debugging built in so that, okay, cool, I'm going to click this line in the editor and debug it in the browser, right? Like there's all of this stuff that sort of works together so that you can kind of, it like magically just knows where you are and everything that you're doing. So an IDE is sort of a more like heavier version of an editor. It has a lot more bells and whistles. So the JetBrains line of stuff, they are IDEs by default. They don't start off as an editor. It's like, no, you're making a project, right? You start off with a project. You don't start off just opening a file. You like go, here's the folder where the project is, and then it has all this extra stuff that it does. So IDEs are very powerful, and sometimes you don't need that. Sometimes you don't need the 800-pound gorilla to open a banana, you just need a small knife or something, right? Like, you just, you need that when nice you little... You open bananas with a, yeah. a knife? I, we can't move yeah. past this. We gotta, we gotta learn more. Uh, I'm glad that we uh, both were like, wait, with a have knife? Have you never... So, okay, <laughs> yeah. okay. So, have you never needed to take a knife to, like, start opening a banana? Because there are times where, like, I have had a banana that, like, I am trying to open and it will not open. And, like, you just gotta cut the skin a little bit to get the peel going. I mean, I feel like sometimes it's too soft, but then I use the bananas method where you start on the bottom and that usually works like one under the other. See, and that's my problem is that if I start from the bottom, if you hold it the way that a monkey actually would, right, you're supposed to hold it by the stem and then start from the bottom and peel. The problem is, is that I bite my nails. I'm a terrible person. I'm so sorry, everybody. I bite my nails and I don't have enough nail to like really rip open a banana properly to like get it Oh, I don't use my nails either. I pinch it. I have beautiful nails. Apparently, I am just very bad at opening bananas. So, okay, but that is a fun fact about me is that my nails are something I have always been known for, even since childhood. They're very strong, they're beautiful. I could have been a hand model, but instead, I use these things to type. What a waste! <laughs> what a waste. <laughs> well, everyone knows typing is just a workout for your fingers. You could combine the two, you could get into modeling mechanical keyboards. Ooh. Yeah, I was just gonna say they're very hot. If you're listening, mechanical keyboard companies at Gloomy Loomy. Yes, at Gloomy Loomy. (laughs) I have been thinking about trying one. But actually, okay, we'll get to keyboards later. Yes. Right. So continue, Alex, now that we've established that sometimes you use a knife for a banana. Yes. Now that we've established, sometimes I am incapable of opening a banana on my own and I need assistance. I can't believe I thought that was a throwaway joke. Uh, I tend to use the JetBrains line of stuff and I have lots of different weird extensions installed because you also can install extensions in JetBrains world. Most notably, I think my favorite one is the uh, Nyan Cat progress bars. So instead of like just being a progress bar, it's a Nyan Cat that the rainbow just sort of is the part of the status bar. So like a Nyan Cat goes flying across instead. 
It's really great. Every time that you do a git commit, NyanCat goes across the screen. I installed one of those for my terminal. So whenever I type, NyanCat would go across and it would play the music and change the background color, but it was just too much. So I had to turn it off. No, no, no. This is very simple. There's no music involved in this one. It's just very, it's very nice. I really like this. It's one of my favorite plugins. Um, It adds a nice little like pop of color when you least expect it. But yeah, so typically I use JetBrains line of stuff lately for my job. I've been having to use VS Code, though. So I'm slowly being pulled to the dark side. Dark side. Okay. I was about to say, the way you said that sounded like you did not approve of this change in your life. (laughs) But it sounds like you're approving of it more and more as the days go on. Much in the same way that I had a very heavy prejudice against JavaScript at one point (gasps) in my life. I know. I now am working on my hatred of VS Code. Okay, okay. Yep, yep. Well, like everyone else, I did not start with VS Code. I personally started with Atom. And then VS Code came out while I was in a coding boot camp. And like the instructor was like all super jazzed about it. But I'm like, okay, I learned all of the Atom shortcuts, you know, like Tessa, you know, like I put in the work. So... But then, yes, VS Code does have Atom keybinds. And so when I started using Vue at work, or at least when we were entertaining the idea of using Vue at work, I had heard that support for Vue was better with VS Code than Atom. So I was like, okay, I'll try it. And it won me over. And I really didn't want that to be the case because I was like, ugh, Microsoft. Because you know, like I've been a Mac person literally my entire life. And so like Microsoft was like a bad word in my house. But they made they made a good product and like I couldn't deny that. <laughs> and it was free. So yep. I feel like we've talked enough about VS Code. And prob I'm going to imagine that the vast majority of our listeners are using VS Code. Just a guess. Yeah. Team Web Store. I actually like time. had tried out Adam and Sublime Text and like whatever the other popular ones were at the time. And the other ones froze on my computer. So that's pretty much what made my decision. Yeah, that was the other thing is like Adam is well known for being a massive memory hog. And yeah, I got tired of it like getting really slow on me all the time. And I mean, every once in a while, VS Code pulls that on me, but usually restarting it actually fixes it for a, a good length of time rather than like a few hours. Okay, so since we are using VS Code, what is your theme of choice? Night Owl. Tessa? I need to look up the name. I think I remember, but... Okay, well, I will go through my evolution once I still enjoy But I will admit I have recently switched to Night Owl. But just to make this more interesting, previously I was using Dracula Italics Turbo. Yeah, I know, right? Because there was things about Dracula I didn't like, like I wanted Italics. But then Dracula Italics, the bottom bar was like some bright color, which I'm just not about that life. So Italics Turbo doesn't have the bright bar on the bottom. I see. I have always been sort of a dark mode person. Oh, yeah. No, I'm sorry. If you use light mode, I can't talk to you. (laughs) Well, okay, to be fair, Notepad++ <laughs> did not have a dark mode. So, Gross. yeah, I know, right? Uh, <laughs> late, early 2000s, late 90s. Uh, so great. Such a good time. And so I've always kind of just been like whatever the default dark theme is. I've never really spent time customizing my editor because I'm always like the amount of time it takes me to spend like customizing the editor. And then I wouldn't write code for like two years. And then I'd have a new computer and I'd have to reinstall the editor and then reset it up again, I just gave up, right? It was just like, whatever the default is, go for it. And that's kind of been my 
my MO for many, many years. But then finally now I've like settings can get synchronized now between your computers. Like there's ways of being able to like transfer my preferences and stuff like that. And I'm in editors all the time now. So it's a lot easier for me to be like, okay, let's spend some time and make this look the way that we want it to look. So I have been doing that a bit more. And Night Owl was sort of the first one where I was like, oh, this looks nice. This looks really nice. This looks nice. Yeah, I was going to say, I I didn't even know you could customize web appearance. That was one of the things I didn't like about it. Oh, yeah. No, you can. Okay, so Tessa, did you determine what theme are you using? I don't want to say anymore. Why? Well, you know, earlier I was going to joke about how we were talking about hot takes before recording, but then you took it there. So I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) hmm. My current theme is Suburb Light. <sighs> it is a millennial pink and lavender theme. Oh, that's pretty though. So actually, my main hatred of light themes is actually because on the past few years, I've developed a floater in my left eye. Mm. And so I don't see it on dark mode. So it doesn't drive me insane. <laughs> ah, yeah. so. But one theme that I'm actually seriously considering trying out is Yonsei by Mina Markham because I saw Aisha Blake using it and it's so happy and pretty and it's called Yonsei. So I'm like, I mean, (laughs) that's cool. But if people don't know yet what their VS Code theme is, there is a website called VSCodeThemes.com, which makes it super easy to browse the themes. Just FYI. Now, let's go for some real hot takes. What font? Oh. Because <laughs> I know Tessa hates the font I use. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, before I move on to the next point, I guess just real quick, the reason I started using light themes, because I would change up my theme a lot. And there is actually a dark theme I also really like that I used in my ViewConf US talk. But I'm perpetually very tired. And so days when I was feeling more sleepy, I would use a light theme and it would keep me awake. And once I found Suburb Light, which like I like the soft tones, I find it very soothing. Like that's when I started using it a majority of the time. Okay, I've stopped judging you now. (laughs) I have used light themes in VS Code in the past, specifically when I am doing code presentations. If I am live coding something in front of an audience... I will use it because on projectors, projectors are designed to display light, not dark. So using a dark theme, there is not enough contrast. But if you use a light theme, everybody can read your code. And you're not having to worry about, is this purple going to show up on this blue? Jeez, why? Yeah. Sitting here caring about other people? Yes, yes, I know. I will say that that's one thing Suburb Light is not good for is it's fairly low contrast because it's like a pastel theme. So always hunting for a new one whenever I give a presentation. Well, you know, there is a light version of Night Owl. Just going to throw that out yep. there. I don't think I've ever actually seen it, but it exists. Maybe Day Owl? Morning Owl. I'm looking at this VS Code themes site. And it's amazing. I may have to change my theme. Oh, I know. Yeah, no, I went down a rabbit hole. It was bad. Because, yeah, it turns out there are so many options. Okay, on to the next hot take, fonts. I talked about my font choice on here before, and it hasn't changed yet. So, like, I'm currently using a typeface called Cartograph by Connery Fagan. And it's, like, a bit wider than I would usually go for, like, a work document. But I saw something Eduardo was working on on Twitter, and I was trying to 
it was a design thing and I was trying to match the font that he was using and I went down a rabbit hole with monospace fonts and then I saw this one and it wasn't being advertised as a coding font but just like you know in the font previews I was like oh that looks really cute so that's what I'm using and it has ligatures which I didn't realize when I had initially gotten it so that's also nice and for those who don't know, ligatures are characters that combine multiple characters that we use commonly in programming. So, for example, an arrow function, instead of just being like an equal sign and a bracket, it actually looks like an arrow, which is super fun. And for me, it makes things easier to read. So I do personally like fonts with ligatures. Some people hate them. Yeah, if you're in a language that is unfamiliar to you, I would suggest turning off ligatures because it will start... You'd be like, is that a double equal sign or a triple equal sign? Because it turns it into random, like different symbols, right? Well, obviously, the solution is always use triple equals, yeah. Alex. Oh. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Unless you're in Python, in which case they don't have a triple equals, and then you try to put it anyway. Um, <laughs> Sounds like a you problem. Yeah, it is a me problem. My font that I like to use, because we're talking about hot takes here. So first off, if I'm in an editor, I like to use dank mono because I'm basic. It's okay. And yeah, <laughs> it's a good font. I, I like it. It's really, it's nice. But Tessa hates Dank Mono. <laughs> I know. That's also why I use I know, it, is right? just to upset Tessa. <laughs> the other font that I use that I've started using on my website, actually, for code examples, because I'm a terrible person and I have zero design skills, I have started using, I believe it's Comic Mono. Who are you? Well, wait, no, I feel like we've had this discussion and the comic mono font that I have is a different one from the comic mono that you have. Yeah, there's like three different ones. This one is legitimately called comic mono. Is this the comic sans of mono space? Yes. Yes, it's very very cute. Well, it goes with the theme of my website. So, you know. Yeah, this whole website is comic sans. Yeah. (laughs) I just, I can't even with you right now. Yeah, I'm not allowed to design things. Hasn't anybody ever told you? <laughs> Wait, now this makes me want to read like a really spicy blog post that's all in Comic Sans. <laughs> Imagine if Twitter was in Comic Sans. No. <laughs> I should make an extension for that. So those are my font choices currently is that I'm on a big Comic Sans kick right now. And I maybe I might be seeing if I can find a good one to actually put into my editor and start using that on a regular just to piss people off. <sighs> Wow, I just... Oh, so it's okay when he uses Dank Mono for that reason, but not when he... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's okay to piss you off, not me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now the next big debate is, what are you using for your terminal? Are you using just terminal, iTerm, whatever stuff is on Linux or Windows (laughs) that I don't know? (laughs) Go first, Alex. Because you look like you have thoughts. Yeah. Um, Alex? <laughs> I move around. Really, I move around between computers quite a bit. So my environment terminal-wise changes rather dramatically depending on the computer that I'm on. I'm going to say it, and it's mildly uh, spicy take. I like PowerShell. Well, it was really nice having you as a panelist, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) I've never used it, so I honestly can't judge. I'm terrible at using PowerShell, but I conceptually, I really like what it does. I don't mind dropping into PowerShell to use things. Typically, whatever system I'm on, I'm using the default, except for Macs, because those I tend to have time to like set up 
the way that I need to because I usually only use those for work. So on a Mac, I'm using iTerm with uh, ZSH as my actual shell. And I use oh my ZSH. We can just call it Zish. Well, see, so the people that I listen to who talk to about it the most are all British or oh, Canadian. Oh, so ZSH. <laughs> so it's ZSH. And I'm like, that's actually a lot Are, are you really saying ZSH or are you saying Zedge? ZSH. <laughs> Don't make fun of my southernness because I can't pronounce it. I mean, as long right. as you also start saying <laughs> HTML, I'm fine. HTML. <laughs> Hey, Tessa, your new PB&J topping selector website is really blowing up. I wish it came in a mobile app version so I didn't have to bring my desktop to my kitchen every single time I'm hungry. Tell me about it. But I don't know the first thing about mobile. I'm a view developer through and through. Oh, well. Are you telling me you haven't heard of Ionic? Ionic? It's a mobile app development platform that empowers web developers to easily make native, mobile, and progressive web apps all in view. That sounds too good to be true. How do I know if I can trust it? Well, Ionic is the technology behind about 10% of the world's mobile apps, including ones from Home Depot and Target. It's also open source, so anyone can contribute. Nice. But... What if I need help? Well, Ionic's got you covered there, too, with their premium tools and services. Wow, that sounds almost as smooth as my favorite brand of peanut butter. But I'm no good at design. Don't Apple and Google have, like, super stringent standards on mobile user experience design? Well, that's the best part. The Ionic View library comes with over 100 native components and utilities, including animations and icons, so you don't need to design anything to get started. And Capacitor will take all your JavaScript and package it into a stunning mobile experience for you. Amazing! How do I get started? At ionicframework.com slash view. I can't wait to make everyone jelly of my new PB&J mobile app. Okay, Tessa, what do you use? And actually also, do you use the integrated terminal or do you use a separate one or both? It depends Mm because sometimes like if you're on a Windows system and you're wanting to use like WSL, it gets weird to use the integrated one so I don't and then also depending on my editor I have a lot of things set up so it's just like I don't actually type things into the terminal I'm like oh I have a package.json file it has scripts in it let me just click the button that says run script what do we mean by integrated terminal in VS code or Mm. webstorm your IDE of choice I mean the few times I've had to use the terminal on Windows I've used the built-in one I think with Mac, I started on the built-in terminal, and then I switched to iTerm2 with Bash. But then last year, when I got a new work computer, I was like, okay, I'm going to switch to Hyper. Not realizing that Hyper was Zish, and that was like a different thing, but it also happened to be around the time that Mac OS was like, we're switching the default to Zish. Because I had seen, I think maybe it was in a tweet from Sarah Drasner, actually, like a year or so before that point about the explodey cursor. And that was literally my only reason for wanting to use it 
And I think prior to that, there had been an issue where like you couldn't make it translucent, but now you can. So I switched, but I still have the same issues with my config file with Zish that I did with Bash, which is that I seem to not be able to get my prompt set up in a way that doesn't either add weird characters in the front or when I try to delete characters, funny stuff happens. That's neither here nor there. I tried Oh My Zish and I was like, is this an Oh My Goddess reference? Also, I saw an Oh My Goddess t-shirt last week and I was like, what is happening? It overwrote all of my handwritten config and I was really upset and then relieved that when I uninstalled it, it was all back, but I didn't know it was going to happen. That's my terminal. So it sounds like you're still searching for your perfect terminal. (laughs) That's a lot of work. (laughs) But I, I also use the VS Code one pretty regularly and I feel like it generally seems to reflect whatever settings I put in whatever my terminal is at the time. I think that's accurate. I think it uses whatever your default one is. But don't quote me on that because I could totally be wrong. <laughs> I apparently am one of the only developers who actually still uses Terminal. <laughs> Just Terminal. Just because, I don't know, it works for me. It does what I need it to do. So that's what I use. Now, I'm pretty specific about what I use the VS Code Terminal for versus like everything else. I really only use the VS Code Terminal for Git commands. <laughs> Yeah, it's so nice not having to CD into it. Yeah. Right. But like if I'm running a server or something, it's always in terminal. That's actually one of the, I'm one of those weird people who doesn't type Git commands. Again, it was really nice having you as a panelist. No, <laughs> no. The, so the JetBrains <laughs> Git interface is really, really good. And I kind of wish that they would just make a Git client that I could have and not need the full editor. But like I've been in a lot of code bases where like there's merge issues and there's all of these things and they have one click buttons that go, okay, cool, rebase the branch that I'm on on this other branch and pull the most recent version and then rebase on that so that it's up to date. I still don't know what rebasing is, but that is another episode, I think. (laughs) I think so. And so like it can do really complex things in like one button click and it's laid out in such a way that it just sort of works within the editor really well. Okay, so that reminds me. So one of the reasons I use Oh My Zish is because I'm lazy and I don't like configuring anything. But Mm -hmm. Oh My Zish comes with a bunch of aliases built in. So for example, I don't do git add. I just type GAA and it does git add all. For a git commit message, I just do GCMSG. And this comes in. So anyone out there using OhMyZish, you can use this. And what is it? Let's see. GCOs get checkout. GCB is get checkout dash B for checking out a new branch. And there's a bunch of other ones. But yeah, that is my one productivity hack because I save like 10 characters every day. (laughs) Yeah, that reminds me. Like I keep on expecting my Sublime Text key binding in VS Code to like be a problem when I'm giving somebody shortcuts, like when I'm teaching a class or something. And so far, it seemingly hasn't. But yeah, I, I actually don't use Git in the terminal anymore. I just use it all in, in VS Code. And one thing that I didn't know for a while that I found really frustrating is that like, if you open the command palette, you can accept all of the incoming changes or all of the current changes instead of going through each line one by one. I did not know that. That's useful. Yeah. I remember doing it all in the terminal or like SVN all in the terminal and like, I don't know if I would be able to do it now. There are certain Git 
functions that I will use the VS Code interface for, like undoing a commit, because I don't remember <laughs> what that is. So I just, I go to the undo. I'm like, yay. Weirdly, undoing, I always do it manually. That's so funny. The thing that I always use an interface for that I legitimately would not know how to do in the command line at all is cherry picking. That is like... Oh, so the Zish, the oh my Zish shortcut for that is GCP because I used to have to cherry pick every freaking day. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Well then, I may have to look into what the shortcuts in Zish are. Yeah. GCP and then the commit hash. Hmm. Okay. But yeah, considering how much trouble I've been having navigating my terminal now... I feel like it would be hard for me to get used to navigating diffs in the terminal again. Yeah, I've never done that. I've always used editors for that because, like, I don't hate myself. <laughs> I actually really liked it, but I think, you know, it would take a lot of practice to get back into it. The other tool that I use that's vaguely terminal related that I try to get something like this set up on most machines that I use is on Macs specifically, I really like using Alfred. Yes. What is that? Oh, so Alfred is this magical program. It's Spotlight with a mustache. It's Spotlight with a mustache. Um, but I <laughs> I always remap my caps lock key to be the super meta key where it's like control, alt, command, yeah, and shift, that. like all at the same time. So if you hold it down, it's the super meta key. But then if you just press it once, it's F19. And then I map oh, you know, it's Alfred totally to be triggered. Key. Well, exactly. It's not on any keyboard. It's not something else I'm going to be pushing. So then I map Alfred to be F19, like it's global hotkeys F19. So if I need to open up something, it allows you to basically go press the caps lock key, type in the thing you want, hit enter, and it opens up. And it's super useful for like, oh, I need to do a quick Google search. Oh, I need to do a quick math calculation. You know, when you're playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, I uh, I just use Spotlight Command Space. <laughs> See, but you're wasting a whole key press there. You could do it in one key instead of two. Okay, but I also save a lot of keys by mapping common keybinds to my mouse, which has a ton of extra buttons. So I feel like in the long run, I'm totally beating you. So that's fair. That is fair. <laughs> that is fair. I mapped Alfred to Command Space. I don't actually do any keybind stuff. I mean, I can't. One problem I have is I've never been able to figure out how to map a function key on my keyboard, external keyboard, to the Mac. Like, they just never want to work. I don't know why. It's really annoying. It's really hard to Google for. Nothing I find brings it up. But yeah, Ari, you mentioned something about, like, typos in Terminal. And one extension that I've installed occasionally, I keep forgetting to, like, reinstall it. Because for some reason, it was hard for me to get it to work in Zish. Can't say it on the podcast because of our policy on curse words, but it's the F. And anytime you mess up a command and you type in F, it'll give you suggested corrections. Like, did you mean this or that? And you can press enter and then it will automatically redo the command with the right word. What? That sounds the amazing. F. I see what you did there. <laughs> There's another one that's just a like an alias that you can do where if you need to like do something with sudo where you're like, I need to run this as a super user. And you type in the command, but you forget to actually type in sudo beforehand. There's an alias that you can do, which is basically like sudo bang bang, which allows you to like redo the last command that you did. And oh, you, you map that as an alias to please so that you type in the wrong command and it goes, you don't have permission to do that. And you go, please. And it does it. <laughs> and you can type in your password and like make it work. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I think somebody made a slightly more complex version of that, but it's essentially you just take the last command that you do and 
redo it, but with sudo in front of it. And it's called the please command. I love the please one, yeah. Okay, so my random other like extra dev thing was what I mentioned is that I use a gaming mouse, specifically the G604, which has six extra buttons on the side, as well as two buttons on top in line with the left click. Let me tell you, the two top buttons, those are copy and paste <laughs> because that is what I spend like half my day doing because I am that lazy that I will like copy paste two words. But yeah, so Logitech G604 is awesome. Does anyone else have like weird developer hacks that they use? I mean, one common pattern that I've noticed around people that do a lot of typing, whether it's coders or like some writers, is like if you misspell a bunch of words or something, or there's like a typo that's like up there, right? You don't right click and hit correct. And you don't highlight a bunch of it and delete it. You delete one by one, and then retype it one by one. I don't know why that's a thing that we all do. But I've seen I feel like everybody do that. And I find it, I get it. But I also find it hilarious every time. I like the observation. I feel like I vary on that a lot. Yeah. But yeah, no, I tend to just backspace the whole word, even if it's a really long word. Right. I feel like sometimes it's like, I still haven't figured out if there's any kind of pattern to it. But like, for example, sometimes it's not enough to just like delete to the part where you misspelled. You have to go back to the beginning of the word and then start over. See, I already type funny. Right. Now that we're going to get Explain. into spicy hot takes. So like a lot of people touch type, right? Where you put your two mm-hmm. index fingers on F and J and then you have the middle thing and you're labeled. You don't look at your keyboard and you do the No, I look at my keyboard. I look at my keyboard. I look at my keyboard and I don't use my left index finger. I don't know why I don't use. I found this out the other day. We were, I videotaped myself typing and I looked at it and I went, I never use my left index finger. I don't know why. I never use my right pinky. I feel like also this is the thing. What finger do you use to press the space bar? Left. One of my thumbs. You can always tell based on, you know, if I have an older keyboard, like it's real clear which one I'm using. Uh, Yeah. I also learned recently that Alex is like a right shift person. What? I was about to say also my right shift key is always pristine because I never use it. I use it occasionally. I don't use it frequently. I will use it for like P and O because they're on the far right of the keyboard. I use it for shift enter. Mm. Nope. I don't even do it for that because then I would have to contort my hand. I have like four or five different mouse options sitting on my desk right now, although none of them will work with my personal MacBook anymore. Well, actually, that's not true. The touchpad, because it's from Mac, I guess, will work with my Mac, but none of my Logitech stuff will connect to it anymore for some reason. But I have an Ergo mouse. Took me a while to get used to it. The trackball is still a little bit too heavy for me. I have the vertical mouse, which is nice, except... It has fewer buttons than the MX Master, which was and is my go-to. I liked the one and two. I haven't tried the three yet. And the most frustrating thing about all of the other MX series mice is they don't have the free scroll option, which I really love. And I hate not having it so much. The Logitech G04 does have that option. Just going to throw that out there. So if we're talking about mice, we'll start there. I have a Logitech m720 it's so tiny mini mx master oh the bottom is white that's unusual it's like a killer whale it has a forward and backwards button it's meant for business less so for gaming but it has a forward and backward button and then it has a third button down here and that lets you change it between computers 
Oh, that's nifty. So I can connect it via Bluetooth to my Mac, to my PC, and then just switch which computer that I want. And it has, but it also has. <laughs> uh, so that was the free scroll. You can't hear that one, but. You can't hear that yeah. one, but it, it does have the free scroll. And so I like this. I actually have several of these because I would always have one for like home and then I would have one for the office and now I work from home. So I have like multiple of them. <laughs> Yeah, I had my MX Master for work and then my MX Master for design school because I didn't want to carry one everywhere. I used to use the MX Revolution. Whew, going back. (laughs) That sounds like a 90s or 80s mouse. No, it was like late 2000s. Yeah, just the name. One mouse that I used that had a really interesting scroll was the Arc Touch or something like that. It was like a portable Arc mouse. So it would be flat, but then you could prop it up to be a curve. I think they still make this mouse. But the scroll button is like a center touchpad, and then they integrated a motor into it. So when you're scrolling, it simulates the effect. Is it as fun as a real wheel? No, but I thought it was pretty cool. One tip that I have for people is like when you start a job, a lot of the time your company will like offer to buy a mouse and keyboard for you. And I feel like a lot of people I know are like, I'm good. I have what I like. For me, I feel like because I work with my hands so much, I always want to try other options. So that's usually when I'll try, like, that's how I tried the MX Ergo. Cause I'm like, well, you know, my hand hurts a lot. Maybe a different mouse would be better. So, you know, I feel like if you have a mouse, you like take that opportunity to try a new mouse. Cause usually you don't really have that option. Okay. Keyboard preferences. Mine's going to be fast. I use the built-in laptop keyboard. <laughs> I'm going to be judgy McJudgy eyes over here. Which built-in laptop keyboard? Because I feel like that's a big determiner for a lot of listeners. Okay. MacBook Pro. I liked the one that everyone hated, but I don't currently have that one. I have the next one after that, that people didn't hate as much. But yeah, I had the one that was really prone to breakage, which yes, but I liked the way it felt. Okay. I feel like that's technically the second one because the original one everybody hated was on the 12 inch. And that's, I love that keyboard. And then the, the Pro, MacBook Pro, they Pro fixed some of the problems. Yeah. And I was like, I wish they didn't fix the problems. And they were like, it's more tactile. And I was like, I like the less tactile. Also, I won all the typing contests in my class on that keyboard. I prefer to not feel like I'm typing on a slab of wood. So I have fingernails, as we established earlier. And so low profile is like what I have to do. Otherwise, my nails catch. (laughs) And I end up like hitting the wrong keys. (laughs) So what you're saying is is that there is a benefit to me biting my nails is what you're saying. Yeah, no, actually, if I if I like really need to do like heads down programming, and my nails are too long, I will rip them off because I don't cut them because that hurts. Fun fact. See, I always keep my my nails trimmed. Yeah, I don't know if it's for my piano days, like I just cannot stand having long nails and typing with long nails. Like sometimes I'll try to push through it and I can't. Keyboard wise, I've been using a Logitech K380 for like maybe six years, five or six years now. I started with the one that's in Nickelodeon Orange and was designed for PC. And now I'm using the Millennial Pink one that's designed for Mac. That's cute. I know, but I still can't get the function key to work and it's so frustrating i also got a moonlander and i tried to learn how to use it uh got distracted with other things and figuring it out is really hard and i picked the quietest keys they had and it's still too loud oh well we just need to swap out the switches yeah that sounds like a lot of work also my fingers are really weak i'm like typing on it and i'm like it's too hard to (laughs) type on it uh, oh, yes, yes. We have had this discussion. Your fingers are incredibly weak, apparently. <laughs> so I had mounted some stuff on my desk yesterday and I couldn't get the knobs tight enough. So 
She didn't have enough grip strength. So I'm using a Keycool KC87RGB. It is a wireless mechanical keyboard, but I tend to keep it wired. I have swapped out some of the switches, not all of the switches, the ones that I primarily use. So the main section here, I have swapped them out because it's hot swappable. So it has hot swappable switches. Hot swappable. They're hot swappable. I can just pop them out, pop them in. They are teal xylens made by Zeal PC. They're 62 grams of actuating force. They are tactile. And they are quite quiet. And I have not done all the necessary lubrication in order to make them more quiet. This sounds like so much work. (laughs) I was just thinking this is like ASMR or like the keyboard equivalent of mukbang for some listeners. They're just like, oh, yeah, tell me more details. Yeah. So this is the one that I'm using right now. Then the one behind me has a number pad on it, uh, which I use when I'm playing Dungeons and Dragons because math. And it is Cherry MX Brown switches. And it's a... Wazid keyboard. That's the brand is WASD. So I'm going to pretend like I know what you just said. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know what hot swapping is. I'm always like, what's the alternative? Is it like you have to solder stuff? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The oh, alternative gross. is that the switches are soldered in. So the hot swappable boards are solderless. So you just pop the switches out, pop in new ones, but you have to have something in the board to like hold the switch in place. And so with the soldered ones, there are people who will go get just the bare board and like solder their own switches in. I am not that adventurous yet. I never got into soldering. So yeah, my friend Mark was like, Tessa, now that you have a Moonlander, I can send you like custom lube switches. I'm lubing a bunch of switches right now. Like when I was ordering my keyboard, I had seen some supplies for that, which is like a tiny brush and like a tiny little like, you know, the, the little plastic thing that the makeup samples come in, like the little double Petri dish. There's like a little thing of lube. And I was like, but then I'd have to switch out the switches and then the keys for so many keys. And that sounds like so much work on top of like having to touch grease, which I don't like. I think Ari doesn't like the word lube. I, I think she really no, likes it. No, I'm not mature. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know the Cassidy Williams Discord that she has. There's a whole mechanical keyboard channel. And if any of y'all are listening, I love you all, but you are all a bit obsessed. If you think that my configuration sounds complex, their stuff is way more complicated than mine is. So, yeah. Also, if anyone is listening, I went with the Kyle H. Red switches and I still want quieter and easier to press. Also, just like I feel like I got the key tester for nothing because I was like, okay, yeah, I can click this. And then the keyboard came and it's so much harder to click. And I've been playing Epistory to try to figure out how to type, but that's only letters and not symbols. And the keyboard manufacturer has an online thing where you can practice typing actual code. So a lot of symbols, but it's always time. So you have like two minutes to type as much as you can and need to start over. And I'm like, I just want to type, type script, but not type, type script. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that is a great place to end. (laughs) So let's... Unless anyone has any more final thoughts. Yeah. Well, I guess for note taking, just one quick one. That's I feel like that's one people always have a question with. Like you see yeah, one called true. like Quill or something that let you take notes and have edits. I forgot what it was called, but there's like a free trial and then there's like the paid version. And then I switched to another one called Agenda, which is very similar, but it also shows you your calendar with your meetings and stuff on the right. And currently I just use pen and paper. Word. Pretty colored pens is where it's at. I know Ben is on a big obsidian kick and really i hadn't noticed (laughs) okay but obsidian doesn't feed my stationary habit we should talk about that sometime 
you and Allison should absolutely talk about that sometime because she has stationery and cards and everything everywhere. So, but yeah, no, I I've started using Obsidian. I'm not very good at taking notes though. So I now realize that about myself and I'll probably end up sticking to pen and paper. Yeah, I set up foam, but I still haven't gone back to it. So I feel like I shouldn't try a new one. Studies have shown better retention when taking notes by hand. Also, reading notes in like a hard to read or unconventional font like Curls MT or Comic Sans. I feel like Dank Mono probably also fits the bill there because the, <laughs> the heights of everything is irregular. Oh my god, such a hater. I'm not saying that makes it hard to read. I'm just saying I think that's a part of it. <laughs> okay. All right. Picks. Tessa. Right. Okay. So a few weeks ago, I started watching, finished watching Sanditon. I don't know if it's because right before that I had finished rewatching Better Call Saul, but like the camera work on the first episode especially feels kind of shaky. But if you like Regency dramas, it's pretty that show. I enjoyed it, but season two is not out yet. I'm not 100% sure if they confirmed that there's going to be a season two, but that's fun. You can watch it on BBC, I think. And then after that, I finished watching Kipo because a lot of people that I now know worked on it. So I was like, okay, I should watch this show. So I guess those are my picks for the week. Oh, and Kipo is on Netflix. Okay, Alex, you're up. (laughs) So uh, we've been watching pretty regularly for a while, and I don't know if I've actually done this as a pick yet, but if you are looking for positive entertainment and exciting illusions, I can highly recommend Penn and Teller Fool Us. I think you recommended it the last episode. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Really? Well, well you fooled us one. This is published. <laughs> Their most recent season has been really just excellent, and we're still going through it. So it's on the CW. You can find it there, maybe elsewhere. And if I did do this one twice, then we just cut my pick, and I don't have any picks. And I'll do the recording. <laughs> oh, I'll no. go ahead and do the recording we're for that. Force people to I don't have any picks this twice. week. Sorry, thanks. Thanks so much. <laughs> <sighs> nope, not how that works. So. I just discovered Horizon Zero Dawn. I realize I'm several years late on this, but it is definitely one of my favorite games I've ever played. So like if you're a fan of RPGs in the vein of like Dragon Age, but without a crew, it's kind of like that. It has a strong female lead, so big fan of that. And I guess at some point a sequel is coming out that they have started working on. And I know that I saw... A gameplay preview recently so like two years from now right like that's how that works right <laughs> but you're saying there's a new game on the horizon oh oh tessa always with the puns so you haven't heard from me for a while i started a thing a while ago where people were sending all sorts of feedback and sometimes stuff not even related to the show to at gloomy loomy you need to stop If you have feedback, we have a link in the show notes. Send your feedback there. We want to hear from you. You can make the show better. You know, tell us what you want to hear more of and who you want to hear from. Okay, that's it. Thank you. All right. And that's all for this week's episode. If you aren't following us on Twitter, head on over and find us at EnjoyTheViewCast. And please be sure to subscribe to the show if you have time by subscribing in like whatever podcast thing you're like listening to this on. 
And finally, remember to tell at least one friend that you enjoyed the view. Thank you for listening. And until next time, enjoy the view.